Well, tonight, uh, you know, since I got excited this morning, I didn't get to, uh, to get to the last portion of the passage of Scripture for you. So tonight we're going to look into this. Um, you know, so let's go ahead and turn to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. But we're going to slide all the way down, and we're going to start with verse 22. Uh, so we're going to go all the way down to verse 22. It's going to kind of be a preliminary or an opening for us on this. So whenever you get there, just kind of look up at me. Okay. So it says, it was now winter. And Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. So let's stop right there. So why do we have this change and stuff here, uh, you know, in this, you know, this gap in this uh, story or in this illustration that Jesus had been given to us as far as, uh, you know, being the good shepherd. We find that uh, the people got upset because he was talking about the Father in verses um, 17. He says, The Father loves me because I sacrifice myself so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up, uh, you know, for this is what my Father has commanded. You know, so here we find then in those next verses that the people were divided. They were saying that he is demon-possessed, and then they're saying that, no, uh, you know, uh, he just healed the blind man. So you remember, he healed the blind man in verse, uh, you know, in chapter 9, uh, you know, and they're divided in what's going to happen or what he is. So then we go into this next part, and the uh, author of this tells us that it's wintertime. And it is around the festival of Hanukkah, which is also known as the festival of dedication. Uh, you know, so we have this time period uh, you know, as far as when it is. And it says that he was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Does that match with the verses that we just read in uh, you know, there in verse 18 or in verse 19? Uh, you know, they were divided. They thought that he was demon-possessed. And now we have this group of people as he is walking through the temple, uh, you know, and they are going to ask him, hey, Tell us plainly, if you're the Messiah, then say it. Say that you're the Messiah. Well, he's already done that, uh, you know. So, of course, Jesus replies, I have already told you, and you did not believe. The proof is the work that I do in my Father's name. There again, he goes back to the healing in chapter 9. And he, he brings up or he takes them to that particular healing, uh, you know, because no one, no one had ever healed anyone that had been born blind. 
Now, supposedly, in this particular time of history, that there were other healers out there, and there were people that had healed someone else from blindness, but never from being born blind. So Jesus is showing his authority, not only being able to heal, but being able to heal someone that was born in this condition. So it wasn't something that was brought about because of sin or something that was brought about in someone's life because, uh, you know, like Kelly said, uh, you know, they reaped what they sowed, uh, you know, that they were working or they did things that, uh, you know, that possibly caused them to go blind. Uh, you know, so we find here that Jesus is really dealing and showing his authority and who he truly is. Uh, you know, but from there in verse 26, it goes, it goes, but you did not believe me because you were not my sheep. And then he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So we find here, uh, you know, that the people have came. So from this first part that we talked about this morning where Jesus was talking about he is the good shepherd, uh, you know, there has to be a time lapse here before you come to this next part. So that also gives us this understanding that he is actually talking to another group of people. So these wouldn't have been the group of people that he talked about being the good shepherd. Now some of them could have been because a lot of his followers and a lot of people that were in these groups and stuff were the same. They just kept following from one place to another place. So they most probably heard Jesus say this if they didn't hear him talk about him being the good shepherd, they heard other people talk about him being the good shepherd. You know, so they get this, but we come to this, and Jesus here begins to explain and to tell us, you know, that it's his works that identifies him as the Messiah. Because the works that he does, he only does them through his Father. So it's not him that's actually doing this, but it's the Father that is doing it through him. And we, we walk into this, and a lot of us in our lives and in our relationship with God, and, and in general, uh, we say, I did this, right? See what I did? No. See what I did? Uh, you know, how many of you, you know, say it's my church? We all know that it's really not my church. It's God's church. You know, but Jesus is telling us here is that the works that you see me do, that is proof that I am the Messiah. The proof that you're looking for and that you're asking for, I've already done it. But you have to understand that it's not me that's doing it. It's my Father that's doing it. So it's my Father that is proving or that is showing 
who he is through me. We have the ability or the capacity to love one another, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. Right? We have the ability to walk this life that God has called us to walk as far as being obedient to the Good Shepherd and listening to His voice and following Him and doing what He has to do, not because of who we are, not because of anything that we have done, but it's all because of what the Holy Spirit is doing within us. So the intimate relationship that Jesus was talking about in those first verses about being with the Father and Him being with the Father and the Father with Him and Him with us and wanting that intimate relationship, He is telling us here is that is the proof as far as whose you are and what flock you belong to. If you were doing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you belong to that flock because you are proof of what that flock is doing. Have I lost you? It's all about being led by the Holy Spirit or following the shepherd. We do nothing on our own. So I'm going to get to the elephant that's in the room. And I want us to talk about it, and I'm really, I'm glad that God waited for this for tonight, okay? Because we see here in verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life. Who gives them eternal life? Jesus Christ gives them eternal life. Jesus gets eternal life from who? His Father. So God is giving us eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Right? Jesus Christ is the life and the light. He is the resurrection and the truth and the light. And because of that, He's the one that has life. So He gives eternal life. But then the scripture goes on and it says that no one, that, and, and they will never perish. Who's the they? It would be his flock, yes, the church, but it has to be his flock as far as the ones that hear his voice and know his voice. Uh, you know, because trust me, there's some people in church that they don't know his voice, they don't hear his voice, but they're in the church. So we can't necessarily say the church. We have to make sure that we say that it is his fold or his sheep that are following his word and his name that he is talking about here that has or that will never perish. But then we get here and we, we see these words. It says, no one can snatch them away from me, for my Father gives them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. And I'm going to stop. Well, no, let's go on to the end of this verse. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. So we're going to stop here. And we're going to deal with this right here. I want, to, I want to help you to see this and I want to teach a little bit tonight in this passage of Scripture. Because the Calvinists, and uh, you know, they would take you to this passage of Scripture. 98% of the time they would take you to this passage of Scripture that would say that no one can snatch you from my Father's hand. Therefore, if you have been saved, 
you will always be saved. And if God has given you eternal life, which Jesus Christ did, he said, I have given you eternal life, then you can never lose that eternal life. Because you cannot be snatched from the Father's hands. This is where they will take you. And then you say, well, okay, I, you know, so I can go out and I can do whatever I want to do. And they would say, well, if you go out and do whatever you want to do, then you really wasn't saved to begin with. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. The scripture tells me that if I come down to the altar and I profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that I'm saved because I have entered in through the gate, right? You know, Jesus is the gate. I've entered in through the gate. Therefore, I am saved. I have salvation. Uh, you know, so whenever I am saved and I have salvation, I now receive eternal life from Jesus Christ because he is the life giver. So you mean whenever I professed it that he knew that I really didn't mean it in my heart, so he didn't give me the eternal life that he said that, I, that he was giving me? But then you also have to go to Judas. Because Judas walked with Jesus Christ for three years. Judas listened to his messages. Judas was named as one of the disciples. Jesus said that God had given all of them to me. So does that mean that whenever Judas sinned and betrayed Jesus and turned him over to, you know, to the Roman soldiers or to the Pharisees, you know, that he was, you know, that even though he did that, and even though he went and he killed himself, that he's still in heaven. Well, wait a minute. He was with Jesus Christ. He walked with him. He's one of his disciples. What happened? Satan entered. Well, really, one of the things, and the thing that really, that we fail to put into all of this stuff here, is that whenever you're saved, you do not lose your own will. You still have the will to follow God or not follow God. Whenever you, are receive, whenever you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He comes into your heart. He does exactly that. Whenever He comes into your heart, He gives you eternal life. But the problem with it is, He says, is that if you walk away from Me and you sin, the penalty for sin is death, right? I don't care if you had eternal life back whenever you were 9 or 10. I don't care if that's when he gave it to you. If you walk away from it, the, you know, the price of sin is death and you will die. They fail to understand and they fail to be able to put that in there. Uh, you know, because whenever we look at Calvinists, uh, you know, and I'm going to try my best to really understand, you know, to, to describe this for you. Whenever we look at Calvinists, uh, you know, they give us this and they say that you were totally deprived. Every one of us are totally deprived. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to be saved. Absolutely, positively nothing that we can do to be saved, right? Huh? You have to confess. There is something that we have to do. Calvinists believe that there's absolutely nothing that we can do. It is total depravity with capital letters. You are saved if God wants you to be saved 
regardless. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. He chooses who's going to be saved and who is not going to be saved. Wesleyan, the evangelical Methodists, the Nazarenes, believe that yes, we are deprived and we are totally deprived, but we're totally deprived with a capital T, which means that there is something that we must do for our salvation. And what we must do for our salvation is that we must choose Jesus Christ. And we must choose to follow him every single day that we live this life. There's absolutely no way that we can have eternal salvation just simply because we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the scripture tells us here that we receive eternal life. That is like getting a gift and then leaving it sitting on the table and never using it. It's your gift, but it does you absolutely no good. So if you're on a cruise and somebody gives you a life vest as a gift for you to go on the cruise and you leave it in your room and the ship goes down and you never put it on, what's that life vest going to do for you? Absolutely nothing. But whenever we look through this, we, we can't... Yes, this is, uh, you know, and I don't want it to be bad-mouthing the Calvinists because there's some people that believe in the Nazarenes that as long as I go to church, I'm okay. As long as I'm a part of a church, I'm okay. Uh, You know, we have issues with that because that is not following the voice of God. That is not following the voice of the Good Shepherd. That is just simply receiving and then doing nothing about it we receive but we don't do anything about it we have to go to the passage of scripture uh, you know where jesus says that if you are my disciple then you are truly set free see it's that disciple part that talks about that we are a follower of jesus christ we follow his teachings We follow the words that he gives to us. So, what do we do with our friends and with our families that are in this passage of Scripture? What do we do? We live the life in front of them. We give them to God, continue to pray, do we, do we chastise them because they don't believe exactly the way that we believe? Well, we would, we would never get them back, but the thing about it is, is that if we begin to chastise, then we judge. See, whenever we're here and, 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 we, and we go to this, and, and this, is, this is difficult and this is pointed, you know, because, you know, we, we see the words that are written here. 
but we understand what does it take to get to heaven? What does it take to get to heaven? To ask for forgiveness of your sins. But it takes a belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The scripture tells us that. Right? The, the scripture talks about sanctification. Talks about, and, and uh, you know, we have the passages of scripture that talks about the disciples laying on of hands. And we have the, you know, the, you know where Paul lays on of hands for a second work of grace. But does that mean that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you didn't have a second work of grace, does that mean that you're not saved and you're not going to heaven? See, we have to be careful with these. Uh, you know, there are many denominations and there's many different ways as far as the denominations have as far as we believe in this, and if we get to the point that we say that we believe in this, and if you're off of this, then you're not going to be in heaven. We need to be careful with that. I know that there are people in this congregation that have been raised up in the Pentecostal movement, right? Right? Okay, okay, I was making sure. One of the things with the Pentecostal belief is, is that evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Some of them go to the point that they say, if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. See, we need to make sure where we are. We can't. We can't get so much to the point that if you didn't do it my way, then you didn't do it the right way. See, but we, we get that way. And I had to call and, and I had to apologize to my dad because I was trying to force him to see a way that I believe. It's not my responsibility to do that. It's my responsibility to live in front of him and then to allow the Holy Spirit to show and to direct his life. I knew that this was going to be difficult. That's why. That's why I thank God that it wasn't this morning that I tried to go through this one here. <laughs> we have to love God enough and to trust God enough that He has everything in His hands. And we are supposed to follow God the way that he directs us 
not the way that he directs others, other people. We have to be willing, and it goes back to that, you know, we have to follow the shepherd. But we follow the true shepherd. As sheep. And this is one of the things. As sheep, we teach other sheep by doing what? They, they, by being sheep ourselves, ourselves, because they follow, they'll follow you, but they don't follow you because of the words that you say, they follow you because of the life that you live. I grew up Baptist. So I guess that's why I, I could go to that. I've had preachers give me the illustration of putting something in their hand and telling me, you know, asking me to, to pull it out of their hand. And, and there's no way that you can. There's no way that you can. But the rock, if it's, a rock is dead, so that's kind of a bad analogy, but Someone that's standing there, they can move, they can get out of it. And that's what I struggled with. My thing was, is that if I'm a Christian, the way that you're saying this, then why am I still struggling with the same sins that I was struggling with before I got saved? And they didn't have an answer for it. So I had to search for the answer. I found the answer in sanctification, in the total submission of your life. Now, does that mean that I don't battle with the same sins that I did? I still have some of those same battles. But it means that I now have someone that's living within me to help me with those battles. Instead of me trying to fight it on my own. You know, we also need to look in this because this deals with protection. We're, we're in his hands so that we can be protected. So that Satan can't snatch us away. So his hands do provide us protection. And we long to be there. We have to be there to be protected. So we're in the hands of Jesus Christ. We receive eternal life through the Good Shepherd, through Jesus Christ the life giver, as we follow his leading, as we continue to walk the walk and live the life that he has called us and that he has directed us to. Will we stumble? Yes. Will he pick us back up? Yes. 
Will he be there for us? Always. Always. Because he loves us. Because his father gave us to him. John 3.16 says, For whosoever, for all of us, everyone, if we love him, salvation is for all that accepts. For all that continues to walk in the path that he has for us. Let's stand for our dismissal.